four guys in a comic podcast. Turn up that volume, because here are your hosts, Red, Rusty, Tap, and Noah. Welcome, everyone, to a very, very special Four Guys in a Comic interview. Just some quick hints. Maybe maybe these words will ring some bells. Transmetropolitan, The Boys, Happy. We have the one and only Derek Robertson with us. Mr. Robertson, how is everything? How are you? Everything is good. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, thanks for joining us. For the people that don't know who you are, uh, why don't you give us uh, a little rundown? Uh, well, you did a pretty good job there. I also had a mainstream <laughs> career uh, before I did those creator-owned books. Uh, I, I was the regular artist on Wolverine uh, with writer Greg Rucka for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a Nightcrawler ongoing series for Marvel, as well as various projects like Spider-Man and uh, you know uh, that kind of stuff. So uh, I had that. That was going on before I did Transmetropolitan, but I also uh, co-created a book called Ballistic uh, last year, and uh, am known for uh, most of my creator-owned stuff. I'm gonna say, you know, looking at your bio, you know, writer, penciler, inker, cover artist. What haven't you done? You have done so much. Yeah, it, you gotta pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let me do it. I try. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I've, uh, it's funny. I've had a long career in comics uh, before I even started uh, becoming a published artist. I worked in other areas of the comic book industry. I've I, I worked behind the counter at a comic book store. I worked out at Diamond Distributors on packing books back when I was in my hungrier years. So I've, I've seen the business from many different angles uh, long before I became an artist working in it. Oh, cool. i got to ask, what comic book shop were you working at? Or a place that no longer exists, but it was called Peninsula Comics, in, uh, and it was in uh, Bel Mateo, is the way, the way they refer to it now, uh-huh. of my hometown of San Mateo. It was right on the border. Uh, was right on the border of Belmont and San Mateo, and um, it's no longer there. Uh, but uh-huh. they were the the shop owner was the first guy to ever look at my work and go, uh, you, I, I think you're great. I want to publish you." And uh, so he put out this, uh, he got behind the financing of my very first published comic, which was called Space Beaver. It was a black and white uh, funny animal comic. Uh, wasn't that funny? Um, <laughs> and uh, we, I did that for 11 issues. I was only 17. I was just, I, I started getting uh, published right out of high school, but I wrote and created the whole thing. And um, I did the inking and, uh, and, the, and the, you know, basically put the whole book together Um myself and uh they published it and but it wasn't uh, it was at a time when uh comic books kept going through bubbles uh, in the last 30 years they've been through two or three mm-hmm. and this was the black and white bubble which was created by the success of the ninja turtles uh the ninja turtles you may know uh started out as a black and white comic book and as a result everybody that could get their hands on early copies uh they were sitting on a gold mine so people just started pumping out these black and white funny animal books and it created a glut in the market but everybody was convinced that they were going to have the next ninja turtles and as a result like store owners were just buying these things by the caseloads and hoping to you know inflate the cover price 30 or 40 percent and uh, when that didn't work they had a bunch of you know supply and demand is a is a pretty easy equation except if you work in comics and uh, so they had a lot of supply and no demand, and it caused uh, kind of an implosion. And unbeknownst to me, uh, my publisher was trying to get in on that, and I didn't realize what that all meant because I was just a kid. And so I kind of got swallowed in that wave. 
And as a result, we weren't selling a lot of comics, and I, you know, I wanted to work, so he put me to work behind the counter at, at, at Peninsula Comics for a while. But I learned a lot just being on the, the retail end of things. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, while you, since you were talking, I started looking up Space Beaver on eBay just so I can get some of the idea of those covers. And, yeah, it kind of is reminiscent a little bit of uh, the, the Turtles looking at that. Well, I, that was a coincidence to me. My favorite characters at the time were uh, Rocket Raccoon and Captain Carrot and the Amazing Zoo Crew. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> if you actually look at the back, you'll see more of a resemblance to my turtle than yeah. the Ninja Turtle. So, um, kind of in regards to your your black and white work and stuff that you were doing... I noticed that Mr. Tom Riordan did a book called Killbox, and you did a variant cover uh, for Killbox. Yes. It's actually going to be coming out here later this month. So, I guess, how did you get involved with that? Because I know I've spoken to Tom a few times, and I know he this is his first book he's ever done. He's very excited about it. So, I guess I was just curious how they got you to, to come on and do a variant cover for him. I happen to be really good friends with the publisher of Gothic, American Gothic Press, uh, Phil Kim. Okay. And he had had me do some covers for him for uh, his other two titles, uh, Born Home and Gunsuits was the other title, and I was doing uh, variant covers for both. And uh, Phil was so happy with what I was doing, he asked me if I would do one for Killbox. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so looking... What's funny is oh, go ahead. I didn't have any reference, so <laughs> I didn't know what... <laughs> so you kind of did that to me a lot in those titles where I just kind of had to dive in and create something based on the scripts. Okay. Yeah, I, was, I gotta see like a little like nine page preview or whatever of uh, of the book, and I'm pretty excited for it to come out. But when I was looking at it, I had saw that you had done the the variant cover for it in that black and white style. So I was like, oh, that's really awesome. So yeah, they colored it. It just uh, they they wanted to run with it before the color version was available. Oh, okay. So I have to ask, just because I'm yes. curious. What are you working on right now, currently? I, I was wondering the same thing. Yeah, you were talking about how you're, you're inking right now, You're right? inking while you're talking, right? Yeah, it's going to be a really boring conversation. I can't talk about it. Would it happen it's, to be something for Image, perhaps? No, it's not oh. released yet. Um, it's, it's like, I, I, I literally, I can't talk about it all. I That's all. I haven't even signed a agreement for this particular project. So. Not a problem. Uh, I'm working on a few things, though, um, at the time. And when, when my Image project is still in the works. It's just been incredibly delayed. But I'm, I'm actually, uh, but the person that wrote the movie Rogue One, uh, which is getting a lot of attention right now, he and I started on a comic a few years ago, and uh, Gary Witta, and it's called Oliver, and we made the, I, I, we, I thought things were going to go a little smoother in the last few years than they have in my schedule, but um, we announced it back in San Diego in 2012, but uh, I'm still working on it. But yeah, I've, uh, I've been excited to see that. I Image is one of my favorite publishers, and I saw yeah, your preview too. for it, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is like it's gonna be something that's really cool. I'm really proud of it, and it, and one of the nicest things about working at Image is that you know they don't treat things like a like a product house. They mm -hmm. and when I started to get jammed up in my schedule, Eric Stevenson was kind enough to say, take the time you want, make it the book you have to be. We haven't solicited it yet, so when it's ready, we'll put it out there. There's no reason to rush it if you want to take more time. And I've never had that offer in my whole life, in my entire career. I've never had somebody say, take the time you need. And it shows in the work in a way that yeah. I'm so proud of, that I'm excited that when it comes out, it's going to be something I, I can really you know, say, well, there's my best work. Oh, cool. Now, is Oliver going to be an ongoing series? Is it going to be a, a limited we it, series? We have it set for 12 issues at this time. If it's oh. doing super well and, and, and time and everything permit us to keep going, mm -hmm. I, I well, cool. I'm really looking forward to it. It looks like it's going to be an exciting read. And the art on that yeah, is just amazing. 
that his first screenplay. So it's uh, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting to see his career blow up in the time that we've been working on this. Uh, when we met, we, he hadn't really gotten the, the success that he's had in the last few years. Uh, he hadn't even done Book of Eli yet. So um, you know, but in this time, you know, to watch his career explode the way it has has been really interesting. Um, so I know in the past you had done some work with, uh, and I don't want to butcher his name, and I'm so sorry for doing this, but Roberto Aguiar Sacasa, is that how you say it? Aguiar Sacasa. Okay. So, um, I saw you had done some work with him in the past, and currently he's doing Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Adventures. Yeah. Um, I personally love those books. I think they're phenomenal. Yeah, they're great. Um, any chance that maybe you might pop on as a guest or maybe do a variant cover or anything like that on those books? Have they back? And it's just it's just really been that I've been I've been swamped since uh, we, I, I've been juggling four projects. So it looks like to the outside world I'm doing nothing, but I've actually been doing quite a lot. And as a result, I haven't even had time to uh, you know arrange a cover with them. But they have been very generous in, in inviting me over. I just haven't had an I haven't had a hole in my schedule. Well, if you ever get one, I look forward to seeing it. I I absolutely love those series. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would love to work with Roberto again. He's actually a really great guy, and, and we had a wonderful time working on uh, Nightcrawler together. When you were starting to draw, who inspired you, and I guess what drove you to start drawing and inking and getting into the comic business? Yeah, I, my earliest uh, love was Charles Schultz and, uh, and Peanut <laughs> stuff. I mean, that goes back to my, I mean, being a real little kid, and one of the first things I learned to draw was, was Snoopy and I think early on, I read Snoopy, and I remember Looney Tunes stuff, and I remember being able to do them convincingly enough as a little kid that people would get real excited, and they go, oh my God, you know, wow, you can do this, and so that kind of put the bug in me early on that, oh wait, I'm good at this, but I didn't really, you know, only in that I knew I could make other people go, you know, react to it. Um, as I got older, um, I discovered The Flash uh, when I was about mm, 10, 10 years old. And uh, the ongoing series that DC was doing at the time uh, really sucked me into comics. Like, I, I loved the way uh, they would show, you know, the different artists on Flash would show different poses of him to make it look like he was running. And uh, that just blew my mind. Like, the sequential art uh, was the most attractive thing to me, like learning to tell a story and uh, making still images appear like they're moving was always the most interesting aspect of uh, comic book art to me. And then later on it was... Frank Miller's Daredevil and John Byrne on the X-Men and, and George Perez on Teen Titans and Joe Kubert on Sergeant Rock and Neil Adams' Batman and Green Arrow and, and uh, Green Lantern. That stuff was, to me, just pivotal. Can't argue there. So, Derek, I'm dying to ask you. Now, I, I read that you had that you like to write music and sing and play the guitar. I so, do, yeah. So have you been doing anything like that professionally? I have actually, the closest I've come is uh, I've done open mics and played like, you know, so I, I played in front of people. That's about as professional as it got. It, uh -huh. it, it was always more of a, it was a passion because for me when art became my job, music became my art, you know. Like that, that was, it's sort of my thing to do when I don't worry about getting paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, when you write music, do you incorporate your characters and stuff into the songs? No, no, it's usually, like, it's, it's a very, like, different part of my brain and personality. I, I don't know that my, my artwork really reflects my music or vice versa. Um, when, I'm, when I'm writing music, I'm, I'm writing usually about very personal things, you know, like any musician would, like you know, people that break your heart or things that piss you off, you know, that kind of stuff. 
So do you have any music out there that people could go buy or listen to? Nope. <laughs> so, so what we're, we're I've never at a convention and there's guitar handy, I'll happily play. But. So what we'll nice. be looking for now is with in, in all over with Image for some uh, download codes where we can download some songs from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and maybe in the future, but as of right now, there's no Derek Robertson album, and you should count yourselves lucky. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I read that. I just I just had to ask. I was just curious about that. I'm not. I'm not terrible at it. It's just that uh, it's not something that I, I aspire. Like, I, it's one of the places where I spend all day just filled with self-doubt and anxiety that I'm not drawing well enough, and you know the artwork I'm doing isn't going to be good. And, and, and it, after a while, there's nice. It's nice to shut that part of your brain down and just creative and not worry about the outcome. And just doing it for yourself for enjoyment. Yeah, just doing it for the sake of doing it, and like yeah. you know, my I have the best entertained walls in California. But <laughs> so I have a question for you. Um, yes. You've worked on numerous, numerous things. If there was a book that you could return to or would be asked to return to, uh, what series or book would it be? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I've always had a desire to reboot the New Warriors with Fabian Nicieza. Mm -hmm. and um, but the way things are in the climate of of comics, I don't see that happening. And and the New Warriors that we did, they don't even exist in the same you know, format the way they did Once Upon a Time. Right. But that was always very special to me. But uh, Fabian and I are now talking about creating something original. Oh, Ooh. really? Yeah. You want to talk a little more about it? You have? Is it just like it's an infancy right now? You know, that's about as much as I can say. <laughs> okay. You know, until things are, you know, designed and things are prepared to come out, it's, it's not a lot that I can elaborate on. Yeah. I'm just saying that we're having the conversation and things are in motion. It sounds like an interesting project. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. It's just a place for us to go back to what we loved about working together, you know, and he's the guy that gave Deadpool his personality. And, mm -hmm. and at the same time, like, working with him on New Warriors was a lot of fun it was my first monthly book for marvel and i i learned a lot about how to keep a monthly book on schedule and how to work on a team book as opposed to solo characters things like that there was so it was a real learning curve for me so when i go back and i look at that work i can see so much of you know uh, a guy who just broke into marvel trying to make his mark and at this point in my career i i think i get more into the art of it and more of the, the craft of the characters than i do worry about competing with guy to the right of me and um as a result i think my artwork would come from a much more um, interesting place and, and drawing comics from that place would be a lot more fun for the audiences to look at mm -hmm. yeah very cool well speaking of uh characters you once did a uh limited series for uh toxin right for toxin yeah i worked yeah there. that was one time working with peter milligan would you have any like uh opinions on toxin now being eddie brock um, did that happen? Yeah, it happened. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler I alert. Read <laughs> My I bad. haven't read any spider books in a while, so I didn't know that Eddie Brock had become toxin. How'd that happen? Um, well, uh, Eddie was separated and he was going to die from the cancer. And I mean, Pat passed and um, the symbiote made a deal with Brock that he would keep him alive until they got whatever he wanted done, done at the time. And it just stuck with him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, it, that, it's it's interesting. And he's still current. Um, no, it was a uh, Colin Bunn. Oh, very nice, Colin Bunn. Yeah, his, I like his stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's a good story. I think that's uh, that sounds like a good evolution. I thought that character was a little bit um, 
I thought the character at the time when I was working on it, it just felt, I don't know, like they were trying to come up with new characters to fill out that line as opposed to having a really good inspiration for the story. Right. Like well, that was at a time with, with Marvel when there were always so, so many spinoff titles that I, I don't know that I ever really fell in love with the character at the time, but um, that sounds like a more interesting evolution for him. Is there it's, still a Venom? Yes, there is. Um, it's uh, Agent Venom, and it's actually Flash Thompson. Oh, wow. That's cool. I need to get caught up on my Spider-Man reading. <laughs> yeah, there's some cool things going on with symbiotes right now. They even have a Carnage on going right now, and I, that's the one I'm most surprised about. And it's, it's doing pretty well. I, I personally think the books under Asco Alonzo have been better than ever. So, I mean, just the way they look and what I hear is going on, and, and when I do pick them up, I'm, I'm, the writers that are working over there are just doing great stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of crazy. They're trying to, I guess, evolve Marvel a little bit, you know, especially with all the cinematic stuff going on right now. Um, yeah. It's a big time for them. Yep, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, you've, I mean, you've done a ton of genres. Um, what, what was your favorite sort of thing to draw? Was it like the, the crazy transmetropolitan stuff or the, you know, down to earth, um, basically whatever you did with Venice? Um, I always liked both. I mean, I mean working on uh, stuff with uh, Garth Ennis was always uh, challenging because he was always so researched and knew what he wanted in a way that made it, uh, you know, I, I felt an obligation to capture the realism that he was putting into the scripts. So um, even when it was a fantastic story, there was something grounded about it. And I like that about his work. And Bourne was the best example of, of trying to get something uh trying to make something very realistic and also I felt an obligation to uh, the veterans of Vietnam to not make it look cartoony. I wanted to try to make it at least accurate mm -hmm. because I felt that uh, anybody that was acting that war looked at it, I wanted them to see that I, you know, was paying attention. And uh, I got nice compliments and feedback on that from some veterans that I that told me they had read it and that was that was very satisfying. With oh. Transmetropolitan, it was, I think I prefer that only because I got to create that world. And as a result, you know, I, there was no wrong there. Anything that kind of popped into my head or any kind of impulse that I had to take things in my own direction, uh, I was able to do because Warren, as we went on, would give me less and less direction as soon as he kind of understood that, you know, that I, what, you know, what I, he, that I knew what he wanted and what I was doing he would just start to say, okay, just draw the city here. What's important is this. And, you know, he wouldn't. And then a lot of people would go, did he tell you to draw all those little things? And like, <laughs> no, if it was important to the story, I would draw it in there. But a lot of times that was just kind of improvising on the spot because we had to put that book out on a monthly schedule. Hey, man, for a book that came out on a monthly schedule, it looks amazing. Uh, uh, I, I don't think I could do it again twice. There's a lot that I see that I wish I could have had more time. Always, My dream was always to ink that book and... Uh, I never was. We we went through so many editors on that book uh, that it was weird that the creative team stayed completely together, but the editorial team kept changing. So uh, just within this last week or so, um, it was announced that The Boys is going to be turned into it looks like an AMC series or a Cinemax yes, it series. Is. Yeah, no, not AMC. It's going to Cinemax. Cinemax series. Okay, that's right. That's and cool. Seth Rogen's helping to get off the ground, much like he did with Preacher. He's going to direct it, from what I understand. Oh, okay. So how, I guess, are you excited for this to come to life? Is it something where you're like, I yes. prefer to, oh, okay, I've, I've, been, I've been aware of this for years, and it's been through a few incarnations where 
it was going to be a movie and then and then it wasn't and so it's been for me it's like i've had this lottery ticket that uh, apparently all the numbers are right but every time i had to go pick up my prize i keep getting told to come back next week and oh. that's been going on eight years oh. so and uh it's been a long road to get to the point where i've actually had something out there that says yes this is happening this is where it's going to be and these are the people involved and the people involved seem very excited and dialed in and I understand that they're all big fans of the comics, and of course, I I, I can't in my enthusiasm say too much, uh, other than what's out there publicly. But uh, yeah, it's good news, and I'm I'm very happy with the people that are involved. I think Eric Kripke has done an amazing job keeping Supernatural interesting, yes. and the fact that it's still on the air after 14 seasons says that the guy really knows how to run a show. So, and then I, you know, and apparently he tweeted the other day that how excited he is to be working on the boys. So. That makes me feel glad that he's he's got enthusiasm for this, and it's not just another project for him, but something he really is excited to be doing. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I'm a big fan of Eric Kripke's as well. So when I saw that he was writing it, I was like, yes, because I'm a huge Supernatural fan. Um, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, in, I'm early on the series, but my my 14 year old son loves it, and I you know every time I sit down and watch it. Uh, I'm always blown away with how good the show is. Yeah, it it, it gets better. It has a couple, it was a couple seasons up and down, but for the most part, it's great overall. Um, it's, it's still going after 14 seasons says a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So since it's going to be on Cinemax, obviously they're going to go kind of all out. They're not going to hold back, right? They're going to, you know, the graphicness. That's my understanding. And, I mean, I think they knew what they were in for. Um, but again, you know, we're really in the, we're, we're just at the announcement stage with this. I don't know. I haven't, seen anything or read anything there's this is all brand new so all i know is that it i love the people involved and i'm excited about it fantastic well congratulations that's awesome that's awesome case. news I think, I think cinemax is going to be a good home for it because it's not going to be relying on you know uh censors or uh, advertisers to come in and say they don't want to see and anybody who's ever read the boys needs you know can tell on its surface it needs to be uncensored yeah, yeah. And if you've ever seen The Nick with Clive Owen on Cinemax. I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, that show is amazing. And if they could, the stuff that they did in that was so brave and groundbreaking. Steve Soddenberg, but, uh, you know, Cinemax got behind it. And that obviously, if that's the caliber of shows they are willing to do, I think The Boys is going to have a great, great run. Who is someone, alive or dead, that you wish you could have worked on a comic with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, are we just talking like I can get in a time machine? Or? Yeah, you can just get in the time machine and go. <laughs> oh, man, that's a, that, that, that's a... I think if I had my way, I would like Stanley Kubrick would have been an amazing guy to do a comic book with. Pretty cool. well, why would you choose him, though? Just because like, he'd be like Alan Moore and he would know exactly what he'd want and, and trying to bring that vision to a comic would be uh, an impressive challenge. Very cool. So, so okay, next question then. Get to know you a little better, okay? Okay. What, something outside of comics and music that you do that most people don't know? Uh, outside of music and comics, I, I love chess. I play a lot of chess. Chess? Okay. Is that something you've been playing since you were a kid, or? No, I kind of fell in love with it in my adulthood. I think it's probably why I'm, I'm so into it. Um, yeah, I, I like chess. Um, I'm, I'm kind of just rounding out. How can I be more of a nerd? You know. <laughs> 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 I, 
listen to our podcast more. Off on that. What makes me a nerd list? I usually wear I'm, every day. I'm usually wearing a superhero or a Star Wars T-shirt. I have to wear glasses now. You know, I spend most of my time in front of my computer or in front of my drawing board drawing comics, and now I love to play chess. So, <laughs> I hadn't found me a wife at this. Point. I'd probably be. Uh, a pretty desperate character. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had saw online that you also like to create custom action figures. Yeah, that was a real passion of mine for a while. I haven't been able to do it uh, since, like I said, you, know, you wouldn't know that I'm as busy as I am, but um, and in the last few years I've taken on a lot of projects and none of them have been released outside of Ballistic. And uh, I just haven't had the time like I used to. But um, for a while there, and also it was a little bit of a bummer on the uh, on the curve of uh, how things rolled out. But at the time I started doing them, the only people that had the Star Wars license for 12-inch figures was Hasbro. And uh, if you remember those, they were mm-hmm. kind of crap looking. Mm-hmm. So I would just I would harvest the clothes off them. You could find custom heads on ebay and i would paint them and uh you know and then i put the heads on the on these uh sideshow bodies uh sideshow to- toy bodies that were much more poseable and i was making some really nice looking figures uh and uh anonymously putting them on ebay and selling them for a pretty good price and uh, for a while that became like a real passion of mine and then <laughs> hot toys got in on it and sideshow started putting out <laughs> actual Star Wars figures, and it has sort of, like, deflated my balloon. But, uh, <laughs> so there's some people know. out there with some uh, Derek Robertson original Star Wars, but since it's anonymously, they don't even know it. Yeah, I did, I, I did some <laughs> Punishers that, were, that came out pretty good, too. I was making Punisher figures for a while. Well, maybe. If you're out there and you have one of you might you might have a Derek Robertson original, folks. <laughs> And then yeah, I for tried the to, folks, like kind of like the comic, kind of like with the music. I tried to keep that separate. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't feel like it, it. I feel like it was cheap that people would listen to an album I made just because they liked my comics, you know, and then, or want to hear me sing just because they like my comics. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I don't know if I necessarily want to look at a comic book that a singer would do just because they're a famous singer, unless the comic was good. So I kind of feel the same way about music. Like, if the music's good, it should stand on its own merit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sort of the same way with the action figures. Like, yeah. I didn't want anybody to go, like, you know, cut me slack because they like my comics. I don't know. It worked for Tom McFarlane. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> there's one person that knows how to make all that work for him, it would be Tom McFarlane. Yeah, or Casey yeah. Punk, right? <laughs> now, Derek, I- I'm going to throw you a bit of a curl here. How do you feel about stock photos and stock drawings? <laughs> Somebody's been reading my Twitter feed. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of stock photos. Most make me face my face palm all the time when I'm like, who sits there and hands, you know, and and holds both hands around a cup of coffee like it's a baby, you know. <laughs> Coffee, you know, like like the, the great page of women laughing eating salad is a perfect example. How ridiculous <laughs> most stock photos are. They they, they just they have me insane because then the biggest problem with stock photos. Here's one that really made me just go, what, what are you thinking? I was uh, I have to look up a lot of weird stuff when I'm working because I never know what I'm going to need reference on or if it's a story thing. I'm, I'm you know so I find myself looking at a, a page about alcoholism and. I think it was like warning signs or something like that, but it was definitely anti-alcoholism. It wasn't a page celebrating alcohol, and it's you know, if you, and, and what do you think 
smack dab in the middle of that article. A picture of beautiful cocktails. I mean, gorgeous. Like a line of them. I'm thinking, if, if you're a guy, you're a person that's gone to this website looking for help, the last thing you're going to want to see is delicious-looking cocktails. <laughs> but they just went, well, it's a story about alcohol. Let's put this stock photo of cocktails in here. Because nobody even thinks far enough ahead that, you know, it's almost it's the usage of them that makes me as crazy as the stock photos themselves. But then, because at the same time, who doesn't know what alcoholic drinks look like? Oh, I didn't know this story about alcohol was about alcoholic drinks. I'm glad they put this photo here. <laughs> it, it makes me crazy. Yeah, I love it. I can tell. I can tell you're very passionate about it just from your Twitter feed. <laughs> it, 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 it seems like a fun place to share it because, I, and hopefully, I'm just yeah. gonna drive somebody, uh, annoying everybody with it. But it cracks me up. Like, are, are you really, is that is how you give somebody a, a thank you card, you hold it in both hands and present it. And everybody's always like, they're usually beautiful and Caucasian and everything's going down in an all white room. They don't have any color on their furniture, no color on the walls, no, they're wearing white clothes in a white room and they're doing like community theater for the camera. That's now, now, now. Jenny, I want you to look like you're like you're gonna leave him. And John, I want you to fold your arms and turn away towards the window. All right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta ask, yeah. what what do you keep in your short box? Uh, my shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I keep. Uh, oh, you mean like as comic books go? Yeah, comics. Oh, I'm a. See, I'm a hoarder. I have like piles of comic books everywhere. Ooh. Then got anything like, good? I have a bookshelf that it's semi-organized, but they're overflowing. I, I just, I can't get enough of, of all the stuff that makes me love comics. So they're just all around me. And I, I read somewhere that's a sign of a creative personality. That if it was all perfectly organized, I might be more mentally unstable than I likely am. But um, I'm going to go with that one because I, I don't want to be uh, assuming I'm mentally unstable. So what's some of the series that you, you really like what, uh, what, Like what comics am I really, uh, that do I cherish? Yeah, so what's some of the yeah. series that you really enjoy collecting and reading? Oh, that's a good question. I, I um, Yeah, you know, the stuff that I really love now as I've gone, gotten older was stuff that I loved. Um, I, I was so concerned with keeping up with monthly comics uh, when I was younger, and I, I just can't anymore because I, I strangely don't have a comic book store anywhere near me. <laughs> uh, so I always I, uh, stack up when I get to a comic book store if I'm doing a signing or a friend I'm at a friend's store or something like that I'll, I'll load up and get caught up and I love right now so my favorite thing I think I've read in the last few years is uh, Umbrella Academy was amazing and uh, and I love Saga because I got to work with Brian and Brian's sort of a friend of mine and uh, and him and Fiona Staples they, I think they're just creating a masterpiece with that book that, that book's amazing so um, I love those, uh, but my old stuff that I still love, I, I, now I'm back into, uh, like, Jaime Hernandez's work and Dan Klaus' work. Um, I, I love that stuff more than I, I even did as a kid, because I, I don't know, it just speaks to me more now. And also, I, I like to think how I can, I think they're both very original voices, and I'm always in, impressed with seeing people that have kind of always been on their own path, they've never really veered into the mainstream, so everything that they put out is always so uniquely original that I feel I can glean from that. I think it's about the time to wrap it up. Hey, 
Well, we thank you again for taking the time and joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you yeah. for having me on your show. I uh, hope that was fun. It yeah, was. It was really appreciate it. Hopefully we can have you back again sometime in the future. Yeah, you know, I'd love to come back home because I can talk about stuff. That I know. I'm dying to read all of When some of the comic, like Oliver's out there, you know, when these when the comic books have been announced or you've read them, I would love to discuss the work then. I, I feel very useless at the moment to uh, have to, you know, be coy about everything. But, I, I, you know, people get angry when you spill secrets and spoilers. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those questions that's going to remain. It's going to be like, what was he inking that night? <laughs> he, <laughs> he was inking with Thoris. I will remember, and I will, rem- I will remember the page because I will, I will know that I was working on this page when I was talking to you guys. <laughs> Okay, folks, uh, let's get started with some of the things we've been reading this week, uh, particularly comics, of course. Um, I'm going to let Tap start this one off, just because he's always reading something interesting. Yeah, so lately what I've been reading is I went back and I actually read the latest arc of Birthright. I'm a big Joshua Williamson fan. A lot of the stuff he does is off the chain like it's just amazing stuff and he is such a diverse writer uh he's doing fantasy and superheroes and comedy and horror and i mean this guy is just he does it all and that's what i really love about him so this is also kind of a josh williamson plug thank you hey josh feel free to come on the show um but overall birthright so this latest arc takes place and i'm trying to do this as spoiler free as humanly possible but in a nutshell the mom now understands that Mikey is actually, you know, this, the grown man that's come back from Terranos and, uh, she now believes in that. And so you find out that one of the feds is actually one of the, uh, legendary mages that Mikey is quote unquote sent out to kill. And, uh, he's trying to get the mom to tell him where Mikey is and whatnot. Well, we come to find out later on that, Mikey's trying to use his older older brother slash little brother in the comic, uh, so to speak, is trying to use him to do more evil work. So basically, Mikey's not a good guy, and we know it as the reader that he's not a good guy, but Brennan, the older brother, is just starting to figure this out, and nobody else knows. So now Brennan's got like this diviner, they call it a diviner, it's like this mystical bluish beast thing that's kind of now attached itself to Brennan because he's of pure spirit and he's kind of telling Brennan go with the flow follow your brother's lead we know he's bad you know he's bad but still pretend like he's good because we want to see where he's going with this so it's kind of interesting I can't wait as more and more come out to kind of see how this plays out Uh, because not only that but you have uh, one of the Gideons from Terranos, who's uh, actually Mikey's pregnant girlfriend, and she's trying to stop it, and nobody believes that Mikey's now evil because he has this nevermind attached to him. It's really crazy fantasy stuff. The art is amazing. It's always been amazing. I've done I don't know how many reviews on Birthright um, in the beginning prior to the reviews that we do now. So if you guys have been listening to those, you know exactly who these characters are. Uh, if you don't know, go back to the beginning and check them out. You will not go wrong. Birthright is such an amazing story. 
Uh, I believe it's up to issue 15 or 16 right now, and this last arc has just been nonstop twist after twist. I, I mean, it's fantastic. I can't speak highly enough of it. I absolutely love Birthright and everything that Joshua Williamson does. So go back, check it out, and uh, yeah, feel free to let us know on Twitter and whatnot what you guys think of it or Joshua Williamson's work in general, and try to say, hey, Josh, you should go on four guys because they're cool and they want to interview you. So go do that. <laughs> the truth. It's the, the truth. truth. So yeah, uh, Red, what have you got for us tonight? Well, I'll give you three guesses to what company I'm reviewing, and the first two don't count. <laughs> does it start with a letter I? It does. <laughs> yes, and it's not Indigo. It's Image. Well, from Image Comics, I present to everybody Great Pacific, brought to us by the creative minds of Joe Harris and Martin Morazzo. So Great Pacific came out in 2012, and it lasted a total of 18 issues. A very interesting read. Basically, the story is about a guy, um, Chas Worthington III. Uh, it doesn't exactly give his age. You'd guesstimate probably like uh, early to mid-20s. Think of him kind of as a Tony Stark, okay? But with no common sense. Best way to put it, all right? He's the heir to a great Texas uh, oil fortune. A lot more money than he knows what to do with. Egotistical and self-centered and everything else that goes with it. As he's gotten older, he's realized, you know what, he's got to do something with his life. He's got to make a change in the a change. But the thing is, though, how to make a profit off of it. <laughs> Bottom line, how to make a profit off of a change in the world. So he comes up with this idea where he fakes his own death, takes his best friend and some technology, and they go out to the Pacific Ocean, and they use this technology within the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Are you guys familiar with the Great Pacific Garbage Patch at all? No. No. All right. So so basically in the ocean today, and this really exists. I'm not making this up. uh, We have – Roughly the size of Texas, a huge layer of plastic film within the ocean, about the size of Texas. And yes, which and it's huge is just destroying our ocean and it just keeps getting bigger every year. Well, he uses technology to start bringing in all of that plastic and and basically get it to form as well as collecting all the trash and debris that is floating around, lying on the bottom of the ocean, and have it all centered into one central location. He ends up producing so much trash out of the ocean, it creates a mountain of trash twice the size of Texas. And he decides to make it his own country, which he calls New Texas. (laughs) <laughs> no joke yes no joke this guy doesn't like texas does he not at all in fact his, his the country's <laughs> flag is solid blue with a lone gold star in the center so he goes ahead and creates his own country but then he starts going through the trials and tribulations that go with it you know how trying to get things set up through the u.n having to deal with pirates the navy seals uh tribal warriors from nearby islands he gets hunted, he gets kidnapped, he's threatened, he goes through all sorts of things just so he can set up his own country. On a trash, trash island. 
Correct. <laughs> he even goes as far as being able to get um, the USA to pay him to take 20% of all their plastics. And so he's just making his own country even larger, and they're paying him for it. Out so, of trash. Out of trash. Called you know, New Texas. Called New Texas. <laughs> you can tell I'm a little offended by the yeah, Texas. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even in the uh, in his first little city that he uh, colonized, it's like an old western Texas city. He's got a, sal- a, a saloon, and he's got, you know, a whorehouse. <laughs> there's there's <Wow. laughs> all sorts. Yes. You know, of course, he shuts that down. He shuts down the uh, drug ring because, you know, of course, you know, new country, new drug problems, which were created from the toxic leftovers of the plastic. So it's plastic drugs? Plastic drugs, yes. <laughs> so he goes and, and has, you know, all the new problems that come with being a ruler and setting up a new country, everything he has to go through. So I recommend give it a read, 18 issues. It's a fun, quick read, and you'll highly enjoy it. And the ending, I can't spoil it. You're going to have to read to find out what happens in the end because you absolutely won't believe it. I have a, a quick question. Yeah. What's, what's the electricity deal there? <laughs> well, he's not too worried about electricity because he's brought in the generators and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, okay. including you know when he, they're bringing up all this trash of the ocean, um, one of the things that they ended up bringing out a old, lost, forgotten about Russian nuclear satellite filled with nuclear warheads. So he even goes to the end say, saying, hey, I'm nuclear capable. <laughs> and who's the writer on this? Uh, that's Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Okay. Joe Harris. Yes. It's really cool interesting. It yeah. is. It, it's very different. Very different. Um, you can find these issues in the dollar bin. <laughs> they're not hard to find. They're not yeah. not expensive to get. But it's a good read. What did you think of the art? The art wasn't bad. It was. It had its moments here and there. But all in all, I'd give it a B. Okay. I mean, it it, it was it wasn't too bad. Cool. I mean, it's, it's not awesome. you know Ryan Onley. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so. brain explosions. Yeah, yeah. Although, there, actually, there is some brain explosions in it, but I'm not going to spoil that either. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, very interesting. So I'm going to turn it over to Rusty. What do you got for us? Okay. So you guys know, beyond the cosmic universe, I'm a big mutant fan. You don't say. I know, right? <laughs> Who would have guessed? But... um. Just recently, they continued X-Men 92 from the Secret Wars series, and uh, it's Chris Sims, and I mean, Chris Sims isn't always the nicest guy from what I hear. He's done some stuff, but beyond that, he's a pretty good writer, Um, and the story is compelling. The whole series so far, it's only on issue three, is uh, really good so far. Um, They changed artists from the Secret Wars series, so it's a little bit different, to a guy named Alti Formancia? Formancia. I don't even know how to say his last He's foreign, obviously. Um, but uh, the art really resembles, like, it would remind me of something that would be like art in an animation series, not in a comic book. And I think he was really trying to go for it since this is based off the 92 cartoon, basically. In the latest issue, though, it made it to where I want to just keep reading the series. I mean, the first issue, 
I mean, I was like, yeah, let's see what happens next. Second issue, I was like, what are we doing? And the third issue, I'm like, okay, I want to keep reading what this guy has to write. You know what I mean? It, he brought it back pretty quick. There's quick action. And, um, yeah, in this issue, though, had one of the biggest shocks. In the second issue, there was a guy they brought into the scene. Um, he was a Russian experiment from the Omega Project, but it was before Omega Red. So he's called Alpha Red, okay? And he's the predecessor to Omega Red. But the problem with Alpha Red is he was too good at his job. So he would. they said that he deployed him in World War One, and he went over to the uh, enemy territory, and he just destroyed everybody. He killed both sides, Russian and the Europeans. Like, everybody, like, anyone, he, anyone that was there, he killed them all, basically. So, and that was their, so he, they said he did his job too well. Well, uh, he's released by uh, the, what are they, the Von Struckers or whatever? Mm-hmm. Von Struckers. Yeah, the Von Struckers. He's released by them um because they buy it and he they're like are you crazy why are you buying this you know this piece of land and like because he's on there they let him go um they're nonchalant about it and they're in some kind of contest but we don't know what the all we know is the contest it's like hellfire club members in it von strucker it has the acolytes and like hmm. other people it's interesting and their goal is to figure out a way to kill the x-men and the first group that figures out how to kill the x-men or whatever gets some kind of prize well this is the von strucker's I guess first attempt, and I'm assuming through the series, it's going to be different people's attempts at their way of trying to kill the X-Men in this contest. Yeah, the Von Struckers release Alpha Red, and he's crazy. Like, I, I cannot, he looks kind of like Hobgoblin, but in an Omega Red kind of thing, and he has like a Moon Knight hood on, you can't really see his face and stuff. And yeah, would you consider him anti-hero or villain? Villain. Straight up villain. Straight up villain. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. He um he's like already killing people and stuff. Right. He, he he's ruthless. The craziest part is is it seems like he's biting people and like draining their blood. And so they hint as him is like a vampire. And then in the second issue, he actually bites Jubilee of all people. Go figure. And tasty. Yeah, right. And she turns, she like dies, and then she wakes up in the X Mansion because they're like trying to figure out what to do with, like, get a healer in there to bring her back to life or something, right? And she wakes up and she's a vampire. So they did that, and because obviously, and the mutant curse, yeah, and mutant curse, she's been a vampire. So they went ahead and just kind of followed through with that in the '92 cartoon spinoff series. I get well, not in the, the original one. I mean, it hadn't happened yet, so they just kind of like put it in there and made it like a canon thing. Oh, so X-Men 92 is not a... I see, I was under the impression that X-Men 92 is a separate universe. It is, uh, like, a separate universe. That's the thing. It's, like, time hop. Like, we took the X-Men from from 92 and made it into a modern story. So they have, like, cell phones now and everything else. Oh, see, this whole time I thought it was, like, literally taking place in 1992. So it's just the costumes from the 1992 show. Oh. I thought it was actually... I'm with Tap. I thought it was the same thing. I thought it was taking place in 1992. Well, the thing, it keeps going back and forth. Like, it's weird because I think it's, like, something to do with Secret Wars to where they're stuck. They're, like, still acting like they're there in that time period. But there's just little random modern things that pop up. So I don't understand it completely if it's just something like the artist is doing or what. But (laughs) Going back to Alpha Red, you find out later on that he is a vampire origin. But, I I mean, can you guess who his dad is? 
Morbius. No. Dracula. Dracula. That was the big reveal in the uh, third issue here. Spoiler. Spoiler. (laughs) Um, He's the son of Dracula. And what happened is he was a half-breed like Blade, so he was half-human, half-vampire. And he wanted to take the throne as Dracula, Dracula's throne, but he could never be as powerful as him because he wasn't a full-blown vampire. So he went into the Russian super soldier experiment and did tried to take the super soldier serum that the Russians created to combat Captain America, and he became Alpha Red. So now he's like mm-hmm. Blade the super soldier. He's like a he's vampire. He's like Blade a and Captain America super mixed. Soldier. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, he's like Blade and Captain America mixed. So basically, it'd be like Red Skull as a vampire. Yeah, basically. Now, of all the of all the X titles out right now, would you say this is your favorite one? Yeah, I'd probably say. Well, that's rough. I like Extraordinary X Men a lot, even though a lot of people are talking talking mess about it because they say it's boring. But it's just, I think it's just gonna be. It a- belongs on the Great Pacific New Texas Island. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, okay, let's just agree. Okay, X-Men 92 is my favorite X-Men series out right now. Okay. Even though at times it comes off as kiddish. Well, it's supposed mm-hmm. to. It's our childhood. Yeah. It's our alive. childhood, yes, yeah. exactly. But, um, no, it's really good. Like, after I found out that Dracula was his dad, I wanted to, it was like, oh, well, what the hell is going to happen next now? <laughs> you know what I mean? And right now, he actually has almost all the X-Men turned into vampires. So it doesn't make sense what's going to happen. Wolverine's a freaking vampire right now. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I don't know how you beat that. The healing factor doesn't work on vampires. No. Whatever. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, Wolverine's a vampire, and I think uh, not Colossus. um, Is Professor X a vampire? No, he's not a vampire yet. Uh, He's not a vampire either right now. He's in his wheelchair trying to bite people. (laughs) (laughs) Now what the issue is, is Chamber Beast... Professor X, and I think that's it. I think those are the only ones that are not vampires right now. now pretty soon we're going to see a special cameo appearance by the current Howling Commandos. <laughs> they haven't revealed that it's in the same universe as anything else yet, though. That's the only weird thing about it. There's no relation to anything else that's going on in any other comic in it. Mm, so. that's a good thing. But after Secret Wars, isn't there only one universe? I know, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? Is Lady Deadpool and the Howling Commandos show up? Yeah. We gotta beat... Uh, well, no, this is the weird thing is... Um, in it, um, Alpha Red is looking for the um, Darkhold. Okay? And that is his main goal. He wants the Darkhold right now. Because I think that's the only way to stop him, technically. And it'll make him more powerful if he gets it. But in Carnage... Carnage has the Darkhold right now. So it's like, are we going to have a Carnage X-Men 92 crossover? Oh my god, Rusty would just pass out of excitement for like three weeks. <laughs> He'd be all Twitter-paid and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's what I'm wondering if it's what it's leading up to, because the whole time right now, Alpha Red's just looking for the Darkhold. And like I said, Carnage has the Darkhold, and he's trying to figure out how to make it work. So Maybe we'll have an Alpha Red Carnage team up. Alright, well you we shall see. All right. So, Nova, what do you got? I like it. It came around full circle. circle no. I am the alpha and the omega of this segment. <laughs> uh, so, I'm going to be talking about the... 
Wow. Feels red right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be. Oh, that was about... that was great. That was great. I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm also gonna be live at Josie's bar uh, Tuesday night. <laughs> I'll be there, man. I'll be little there. Little daredevil, little daredevil <laughs> Easter egg for you. Yes, there you go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna be talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I guess reboot. Uh, it's the current ongoing series over at IDW. Uh, it's written by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. And the first arc was drawn by Don Duncan, I believe, or Dan Duncan. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think all four of us here like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're just. Oh, very much. I mean, that cartoon back in the day was the bee's knees. Turtles and a half. I'll be the one to raise my hand and say, I never liked it, never cared for it, and, and go to the Great Pacific. Oh, <laughs> I too think far. New too Texas far. would be glad to take the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> They'd have good protection. All right. I mean, when did, I mean they came out in what ninety? 80, no, eighty-eight. They started okay. getting real big with the toys and stuff in about ninety ninety-one. But how old were uh, you in eighty-seven, Red? You were what, like fifty-three? <laughs> about that let's let's put it this way it was just about the time i was joining the military okay <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it was that age you know the, oh the turtles really yeah. i guess so well yeah i was really excited about this just because uh you read the first arc and you realize how how awesome it is and what you've been missing out on it's it's not really overly kid friendly i'd say it's for teens as most comics are now how many issues are right now is this the one that's like in the 50s 60s 58 58 okay i I, did did the turtle ever come back what do you mean one of the turtles died did he ever come back Uh, you're spoiling stuff i'm I'm not up to date so i I know it yeah i read up to that issue a little bit past that issue and yes fantastic series go on sorry yeah it's it's spectacular now I'm yeah, first... gonna be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the first arc, um, it was really, it was pretty good. I actually was surprised when I first read it, and it starts off with uh, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Leo, and Splinter. They're fighting this guy named Old Hob, who's basically a, a mutated cat with like an eye patch. <laughs> he's the uh, Fury. He's... Yeah, he, he felt like a, <laughs> but he's like a loser though. He's not cool like Nick Fury. So he's like a Morlock. What's Calypso? So he's Nick. Sure. So so yeah. he's David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. He, he's yeah. He's like a homeless David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. Now is that is that Fury or Furry? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Nick Furry. Zing. <laughs> but yeah, we see that that Raphael is lost. He's sort of by himself. He's walking around looking all homeless and stuff. And we're introduced like they show the the origin of the turtles, which. Uh, I think they've changed. Yeah, they did change for this one. And you find out that April O'Neil, who we all know and love, worked at uh, Stockgen. Uh, we get we get introduced to Baxter Stockman. Uh, and we see that there's this little rat running around during their experiments. There's these four turtles in a aquarium, I guess. Uh, just regular turtles. And, you know, they, they have cute little things going on, like April naming them. So turns out April gave them all these uh, Renaissance names and stuff. And we find out there's also experiments being conducted on them with uh, these special serums. But it sort of keeps jumping back and forth between the present and the past. And uh, we see that Raphael runs into someone who's being attacked at home. 
and we get introduced to Casey Jones right off the bat, uh, who's just a great character. I've always liked him with the hockey mask, hockey stick. You know, just I mean, it's the Canadian in me that I like him so <laughs> I could relate. What we what find out that Mike Myers. I was uh, I was gonna say Jason Voorhees. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, we find out that uh, the hand had actually stolen this serum that had been used for experimentation and long story short uh the turtles splinter and this cat all basically wound up in this puddle of serum on the street and because of that serum they began to mutate while that happened this cat who we obviously find out is old hob after he mutates takes one of these turtles in his mouth and just sort of walks away so we can assume that's how Raphael got lost and he got his eye patch from splinter who was just like the coolest little rat ever. He was doing so much cool stuff. It's insane. He's like pulling fire alarms and scratching cats' eyes and stuff. It's <laughs> almost makes you want to go out there and find a pet rat, but then you realize it's they can't do disease that. ridden. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, by the end of the arc, uh, I guess it's not really a spoiler, but Raphael gets reunited with the with the other turtles and Splinter, and it's just really nice emotional point especially because in the entire arc everything comes around full circle but i mean from this starting arc things just got crazy it's unbelievable to just read the series and see how much it's changed and even if you didn't like the turtles i think overall it's just a good comic yeah you know? that series is is really really good um i think the part the 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 spoiler that rusty was referring to happened in like issue 45 ish or so so i read up like up through i think issue like 48 or 49 is where i got to um and it's phenomenal and the way that they handled bebop and rocksteady later on yeah is just yeah. it is so amazing it is such 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 a good series um yeah definitely the city fall arc i think it's called with shredder was just oh my god there's so many twists and turns that just make you and you have to wait a month for the next issue yeah. is there a lot of pizza in it there's quite a bit of pizza yeah. but w there's one funny thing in this in this uh first arc is Raphael's going through all this trash and he finds a shirt that says cowabunga <laughs> and he's like yeah, right. And he just throws it out. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, this IDW is another company that begins with the letter I that is doing some really cool stuff. Uh, I actually yes. just read the the current five issues of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Batman crossover, uh, and that's that's been a lot of fun. Uh, and then IDW has also done like like Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters, Transformers. Batman, Transformers, GI Joe. Yes, GI Joe. Joe. Yeah. There's a and they're doing a lot of crossovers too, with especially with DC. Yeah. Yeah. So IDW is another company to be looking out for and reading because they're They've awesome. Got some gems. Yeah. yeah, they're really picking up momentum in the last couple of years. Yep. Gotta oh, love yeah, the companies a... with an eye. Yeah, definitely. But the only thing with uh, IDW just seems like most of their stuff is more kid orientated. You know, they do the, the Transformers, the gym, the holograms. But see, uh, my Transformers, it and it's not yeah. really yeah. kid though. Like you would think, like because yeah. you know it's a cartoon, it's based on this. Like you would think kid, but it's once you start reading, I don't know about Gem, but like Transformers and Turtles, it's definitely geared more towards young adult, teenage. Like it's not meant for ten year olds. 
even Transformers, they're they're talking about like philosophical stuff in there too, where a kid would just be like, "Dad, what am I reading?" But yeah. it's it sort of has to do with like Optimus Prime and his whole thought process, and it, it, it's it's weird. I think they're Did trying Optimus or Rodimus. I don't know. I think they're trying to bring back people our age that grew up watching these cartoons. I think they're trying to bring it back. I mean, same thing with the new Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic that's out there. From my understanding, I haven't read it yet, but from my understanding, it's not really geared towards kids. It's I think they're trying to appease, you know, the young, the mid twenties, early thirties that grew up watching yeah. this stuff. Speaking of older stuff, uh, next this next uh, Wednesday. Coming out, is, I forget the exact title they gave it, but basically it's a Johnny Quest reboot, and it's going to have the whole Johnny Quest, Space Ghosts, and you know the whole Hanna Barbera stuff brought to us by Marvel. Yep, no, no, no. Is it Apocalypse uh, Scooby Doo? No, this is this Scooby Doo. I want to say is uh, DC. Yeah, DC, yeah, thank you, DC. This is Marvel. Marvel is doing this. Oh, what? I thought DC we're gonna have Johnny was... Quest in space. Yes, I knew, yes. I knew it was coming out, but I thought DC was doing it all. I didn't know who was doing it. And and I want to say this Wednesday, it's going to be like six or eight different variants for it for the issue one. Oh, I want to get awesome. the Space Ghost comic. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really cool. I like Johnny Quest a lot too, though. Welcome to the Battle of the Geeks, the sparking conglomeration portion of our show where I read challenge our three contestants, who most of the time should, but don't always know the answers to all things comic geek related. Let's start Battle of the Geeks, shall we? And welcome our guests, Rusty, Nova, and Tap. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey. Hello, sir. Thank you. Yes. But what is a contest without a prize worthy to fight for? So over the course of the year, you three will be given a series of questions, tasks, and challenges for points. Whomever tallies up enough points by December 31st will win the ultimate prize, a near-mint copy of The Amazing Spider-Man 300 with that famous Todd McFarlane cover we all know so well. As of current, Tap is in the lead with four points. Boo! All right, the question is, you guys, are you geek enough? Let's start Battle of the Geeks! Question one, worth one point. In Marvel, this particular item allows the user to attack or steal another soul and can be used to revert an individual to their natural state. Pass. In Marvel, this particular item allows the user to attack or steal another soul and can be used to revert an individual to their natural state. Is it Diamond Agamotto? Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. <laughs> Tap, you're quiet and quiet over there. Uh... What item in Marvel is used to attack or steal another soul and can be used to revert an individual to their natural state? And I know there's somebody in the background going, oh my gosh, guys, come on. It's so obvious. I want to say, like, one of the soul gems. Oh, I'm going to give the point to Tap. Woo! Oh, no. Soul? Okay. 
I really thought my Thanos guy would come out for come come well, ahead see, with I, I was I was thinking Infinity saying. Gauntlet at first, and I, I was like, no, that's too obvious. See, this whole time I kept thinking Infinity Gauntlet, but I'm like, well, Rusty's the cosmic guy, not me. Like that's not my forte. So I'm like, if he's not saying <laughs> well, the it, Infinity Gauntlet, <laughs> I mean, that was the thing. I was like, I don't know if he's gonna say like an individual stone or if I should say Infinity Gauntlet or he didn't say anything. But I know I was sitting there. I was just like, what, you were what? stealing Nova's Eye of Agamotto. Is what you were. Doing. I did think it was that at first because I I know Doctor Strange. Strange is kind of hype uh-huh. right now, so I was like, yeah. oh, that could be it. All right. Question two, worth one point. In the comics, this character has an online alias. His online alias is John Doe 297. Rick Jones? No, not Rick Jones. Hold on. He has an online alias. Um, wait. John John Do- yep John Doe two nine seven Punisher publisher Marvel DC and Image it's one of those three yes oh <laughs> screw it I'm gonna guess Batman you get the point what all what? right what? Nova Batman why would you oh alias at all <laughs> I know right I don't think Batman would be on the internet period oh man. Well, he gets to do some of his research to be prepared somehow, and that is his online alias, John Doe 297. I just Nova just... is on the board. Uh-oh. Ooh. Yes. Slacking. All right. Question three, worth one point. This comic book character literally self-combusts and lets out the equal power and radiation of a nuclear bomb. Nit- uh, nitro. Once released, he is completely human for 24 hours. Superman. Because it's... Nova's got the point. I didn't even finish reading the question. The human part is you what said, got me. Yeah, you said that's nuclear, new, and that's why I think Nitro, like... Solar yeah. flare. Ah. Ooh. This is new power. Yep. All right. So we got Tap at five and Nova at two points. All right. Question four with one more point. Im- Image Comics' initial titles were produced through what company? Malibu? Yes. Uh, uh, Rusty's on the board, finally. I want that Spawn Malibu comic so bad. (laughs) All right, last question for the evening. Question five, with one point. The Comic Code Authority was an organization established in 1954 to make comics more kid-friendly. But in addition to cutting down on violence and gore, they also decided to enact an outright ban on what? You can't say the uh, devil, right? No. It's not drug. No, it's, they did drugs still. Um, Smoking. No. no. Uh, uh, boobies. <laughs> Religion. This was their big, it was a big deal to them. Very huge deal. It was like number top of their list. It's not religion. No. I was just throwing random things out there at that point. Um, the war. Okay. I'll give you one clue, since I haven't given any today, but it was an attempt to, to discourage the horror genre. Uh, blood? No. Discourage the horror. Murder. Oh, no, there was a lot of that. <laughs> uh, possession. Nope. The devil. Superheroes nope. only. Nope. Clock is ticking, gentlemen. It was to discourage horror. Yes. Mm. 
All right. Tap, you're in the lead. So I'm going to throw it at you. What's your final yeah, call I, on this one? I don't know. Uh, All right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm at a loss. All right. Nova, you're behind tapping points. What do you got? Monsters. Uh, no. You don't know. Okay, Rusty? Hurt the, the horror industry. Um, horror movie advertisements. Nah, the answer is werewolves. You, there was a ban Wait, on werewolves. What? A, put a, How does yes. that work? What about Werewolf by Night? <laughs> <laughs> that came along when? 1972? Yep. This is 1954. Werewolves, really? Werewolves? Yes. Dracula's yes, okay, but not but a no werewolf. Frankenstein is all right, yeah. too. Well, you can do the mummy, but don't make any werewolves. Correct. <laughs> oh, he's right. not a werewolf. He's the wolf man. Yeah. <laughs> well, gentlemen, I mentioned before that not only will you be given a series of questions, but tasks and challenges as well. Last contest, you had been challenged to find a sound clip that not only the four of you failed to find, as with our listeners. Well, that sound clip was hidden in Podcast Volume 1, Issue 162, with Nova reviewing Saga Issue Number 12. It's so random. I never would have guessed that one. I would have never guessed that either. I, I I, I made it something you would never thought that I would do. Well... The challenge set forth in today's contest is for the three of you to post on Facebook your best cosplay costume. Then our listeners will have the opportunity to vote which one of the three of you has the best costume. But wait, here's the twist. You will also be competing against the person on Facebook who has already posted and received the most likes. If that person beats the three of you out, they get to take away two points from any of you and reassign them to a different person they took them away from this final round of voting will take place via our twitter feed via a poll yeah i'm gonna lose this one <laughs> i'm gonna win this one i got a buddy that's gonna i got a buddy i'm i'm gonna hit up i'm just gonna put a picture of like a, a really hot chick or something <laughs> it's gonna be nova in a bikini he's gonna bend his back his back backwards and he's like look i'm rob liefeld drilling to be a life <laughs> do i get bonus points what black squares if over I your take feet a picture of one of our listeners in cosplay no Ooh. like if i'm in the picture with one of our listeners and they're in cos i don't get bonus points nope no damn you have to dress up all right, nope. yeah. Well, I got I can do bat tap, but that's the best I got. It, it's not gonna get much farther than that, unfortunately. It, it, but really, gentlemen, it just comes down how badly do you want an Amazing Spider-Man 300? I'm gonna win. I'm just gonna Contest. try to win off my comic knowledge. Once you post that picture, don't forget you'll also be competing against the winner of our individuals that have already posted pictures on. Facebook. Well, and I've seen some of their cosplay, and some of them are really, really solid. So mm. bravo yeah. to you folks, because some of it's really solid. I yes. can't compete with that. I, I know that for a fact. So awesome job. Well, stay tuned to our Facebook feed, where these three gentlemen are going to post some pretty cool pictures, I'm sure of it. And then I'll be posting um, these four pictures onto Twitter for everybody to vote upon. Well, that's it, folks, for Battle of the Geeks. Tune in regularly for more exciting questions and challenges with the opportunity for you, the listeners, to win a Four Guys in a Comic Prize Pack loaded with all sorts of great stuff. 
it is time for another all new all different monthly segment of the podcast if you can't tell by my voice this is your friendly neighborhood canadian nova and i'm going to be talking about the craziest wildest and funniest facts and urban legends in and about comics and their creators so i've got the other three guys here with me uh we all have heard of the story what is it brand new day and then spider-man storylines uh one more was it one more day yeah, um, but prior to that, uh, Howard Mackey and John Byrne, while they were working on Spider-Man, they actually planned on making Peter Parker single as well. Um, and they had cre- they had they were going to use this character named the Shaper of Worlds. Uh, I don't know if he's actually ever been used. He's like a metallic scroll on top of an R two D two. He looks kind of cool, but I guess he's never been used. And he ha- he was going to be given this power where he could basically change the status quo and just shape reality, but not unshape it. So cleverly enough, he was Peter, he was going to make a deal with Peter Parker, change his change his life to, for some reason, get rid of MJ. Maybe she was giving him grief or something. I don't know. Uh, and then tell him he can't unshape it. So uh, Peter Parker would be stuck single without MJ. But the storyline got scrapped and. They just didn't go through with it. So I thought that was pretty interesting that it wasn't just uh, JMS who wanted to make Peter single again. Poor guy. He's got a bunch of people up for him. He just, no one wants him to be with anyone. (laughs) But that was one of the first things I found. And the second one I think Red Skull knows about, and I think he's going to give me grief for putting this out there. Oh, it's not going to be the cherry, is it? It is. It is going to be the fact (sighs) that... Joe Simon, in his own book, My Life in Comics, wrote that the Red Skull was inspired by a cherry on top of an ice cream sundae. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that is true. Yeah. So he was eating an ice cream sundae one day, and he realized, hey, this looks like a human being. The hot fudge on top of the sundae looked like a human being with legs, hands, and everything. And he thought, okay, I'm going to, we'll call this character Hot Fudge. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> oh my gosh, you had to yes. include that too. Is that yes. true? Wait, is that true? Yes, it uh, is in true. His book. Yes, it's 100% it is true. Yes. And he right, wrote, your new We're name gonna... Skull is Hot Fudge. Red Skull's fudge, name yeah. was almost Hot Fudge. Yes. Oh. And they're like, We're just going to, he said, We're going to put a face on him and have him ooze all over the place. Um, <laughs> and he basically said, He realized there was a big cherry on top. And he's like, Oh, we'll call him Red Skull. That's pretty cool. And I guess that was a pretty drastic change from hot fudge to red skull. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Thank God. Yeah. But it's really, it's crazy to think that that's how a character like that came about. Yeah. One of the most uh, popular and most feared villains in the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. was originated from an ice cream sundae. Yeah. It is kind of cool to see, to actually learn and discover how some of these characters are creative and how something so it's an actually an interesting story it's a little bit of i think of embarrassing one for somebody who goes by the name red skull and is you know on the podcast but it is a cool story you know something at least it's better than i don't know deadpool yeah yeah but uh, yeah that was crazy i couldn't believe that when i read it but it's uh it's published in a book written by joe simon so yeah and I've got a third one here. I'm sure you guys have all seen 
comic book panels that have uh, sort of hidden messages in them. I remember in one of our Instagram late shows, we talked about the mute sex men yes. one where it's like the two signs in the rally that spelt out uh, sex and stuff. Batman yes. and Deadpool. Yeah, the yeah. shadow. Yeah, yeah. Tekken, yeah. Tekken and Deadpool. Yeah, they've been doing things like that for a long time. It's just kind of cool to find those things. Yeah, definitely. And there's one in. I didn't know this existed. Punisher Armory Number One, which is sort of a a book that just describes all the tools and stuff that Frank Castle uses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written by Elliot R. Brown and drawn by him, I believe, as well. And it's got a, an Easter egg in the background. They they show uh, Frank's desk and what he's got on it, and he's got one of those boards with all these, you know, all the uh, pins attached and all the strings attaching, all the connections and whatnot, like you see in almost every crime film and stuff. But he's got a, a most wanted poster, and there's a character in the bottom right that is referred to as Towelhead, but without the D. <laughs> um, and it says that the crimes involving, like he's he's wanted for the following crimes: hunting, ca- humping camels. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! So that was one of the oh, things. Oh no! <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Um, so I don't know why someone would want to add that, why Elliot Brown wanted to add that in, but um, when, was, the when time, did this book come out? <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I need to double check on. But I believe it came out at a time where um, it wouldn't happen to have been two thousand one, would it have? No, yeah, no, it, was, it was before that. It was wouldn't before. happen to have been like a uh, nineteen eighty nine, right? <laughs> I think I think it's closer <laughs> to that time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was crazy. It's it's really just out there, you know. It's not even. I remember seeing a another similar thing like that where someone bashed another creator or something by they, they drew a bookshelf and then all the books the spines wrote out like this guy is a phony or something. Oh, oh. artist in the industry, and I think the guy got fired because of it. That's wild. How, how did that make pass through editing? Yeah, I know. I bet you that yeah, editor got in trouble way. too. Yep, yep. But yeah, the I guess I can mention this one really quickly. Apparently, Peter David on Aquaman, which is a, a well a well renowned run for anyone that reads Aquaman, his run was actually delayed for uh, religious reasons. Uh, he was gonna write a story where his father uh, Atlan was a sorcerer, and it sort of implied that Aquaman's birth was a magical one, which in turn you know, in other words, is immaculate conception. Uh, so the editor decided not to run with it because it was sort of a, you know, a religious topic and it's better mm-hmm. to avoid those things in, in comic books at times, unless you're an image comic. I, unless you're like Chris Claremont and God loves. Yeah, yeah. He, I feel like that he, was yeah. ahead of his time. Yeah, and that was just a, a fun little fact that, um, you know, behind the scenes there's a lot of stuff going on that writers have to, a workaround that you know we as readers take for granted and then get mad at them for because their comic isn't good enough for our desires even though it was the editor who was in fact the uh the problem the culprit mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. but yeah that's that's what i've got for this this month uh it was a lot of fun just to find these little factoids it's crazy how much stuff goes on in the comic industry that you know, nothing ever that didn't come to print or, you know, something as crazy as a character design uh, coming to life.
right, everyone. So this is another new segment, monthly segment, where I discuss history of comics. Like this we're, month in history. We're full of new segments, aren't we? We are. We are full of We're them. full of something. <laughs> <laughs> so for this first one, I said, okay, month of May, right? What can I, what year should I pick? And I said, eh, you know what? Let's go back to the year I was born. So this is May of 1982. All right. And uh, so I, f- I was looking through there to see kind of any interesting issues or iconic things or anything that kind of came out or that were humorous or were significant, whatever the case may be. And the first one I found I thought was pretty funny. And I actually want to pick this comic up. You can actually get off eBay for a couple bucks. It's Fantastic Four Roast Number 1. It's a one-shot, basically, of a Fantastic Four Roast. Really? And, yeah, and the writers are uh, Fred Hembeck and Jim Shooter. Jim Shooter? Jim okay. Shooter. Right. And the artist that worked on this book is basically the who's who of the late 70s, early 80s Marvel era. Uh, just to name a few, I guess the way the book was credited, it was credited as almost everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh. some of the artists uh, were John and Sal Bashima, John Byrne, Bob Layton, cool. Frank Miller, John Romita Jr. Uh, I mean, it was literally kind of the, and that's just a few. I mean, it literally was kind of the who's who of the 70s and 80s Marvel. It seems like a shooter idea. Yeah. <laughs> so basically what the story, though, is about, and the reason why I found it kind of funny and significant, is that everyone, or almost everyone, in the Marvel Universe shows up to roast the fantastic four <laughs> during really? the yep and then during the roast someone is secretly trying to off the fantastic four so the marvel universe has to come together to find out who it is and take that person down before they it wouldn't the happen fantastic to be a, someone that start that rhymes with uh ictor on um right yeah honestly i have no idea Oh. I don't know. I want to read the issue. And like I said, you can get it on eBay for a couple bucks. Uh, the cover art is very much early 1980s cartoon Sunday comics type art. Uh, yeah. It's not like your it's not like your normal comic art when you think of it. It's very cartoony. Um, another one in May of 1982 that was released was Daredevil number 182. Uh, part of the Frank Miller run, and the yeah. cover was done by Klaus Johnson and Frank Miller. And this one I picked because it is very much a very classic cover. It's the one where Matt Murdock is maskless, basically, and he's hugging the tombstone of Electra. Yeah, and I uh, saw that for sale in an auction room mm-hmm. the other day. Yeah, and he's uh, in the story in that one is that he's convinced that Electra's still alive, so he gets court orders from a judge to exhume her body, and her body's there, and that she's dead, but he still believes she's alive, and then uh, the government breaks the Punisher out of prison, and they want to use him for some covert operations. And that one you can pick up on eBay, 10 to 20, kind of depending on condition and whatnot, but 10 to 20 on eBay for that one. It's an iconic cover, man. Yeah. And then the last one I have here is an interesting one for a couple of reasons. Um, It is one I'd actually never heard of before. Um, It's Destroyer Duck number one. Um, And the reason why I initially picked this was because it's the first appearance of Gru the Wanderer. 
So anyone here that kind of remembers the old, you know, comics from the 80s and stuff and grew, he kind of, he almost reminds me of like Hagar the Horrible. Um, it was, he was one of the first comics that was drawn that was uh, very humorous in nature. Um, it, but he was like, and he kind of looked really cartoony and like I said, almost like Hagar the Horrible. But he was kind of an ultimate BA. So, um, yeah, so it was the first appearance of Gru and Destroyer Duck. Um, and then as I was researching this, some other things that became a little bit more interesting uh, was that the writer of uh, Destroyer Duck number one was Steve Gerber, who also was the creator of Howard the Duck. Um, and the artist for Destroyer Duck number one, the co-creator, so to speak, was none other than Mr. Jack Kirby. What? Yes. Yeah. And uh, Destroyer Duck number one, there's a special cover, and it was titled the lawsuit, the special lawsuit benefit edition. And the reason why it was called that, and the reason why Destroyer Duck number one was actually published was it was a way to help raise funds for Steve Gerber um, for a lawsuit that he was in the middle of battling with Marvel Comics as to who actually owned the character Howard the Duck. So while they were in this lawsuit battling out who was going to own Howard the Duck, he decided he was going to create Destroyer Duck uh, to help raise funds to help him fight his legal battles. And Kirby just wanted to be like... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and Kirby was all over it and uh, yeah. helped design it. He's, yeah, he's been shafted the same way. So yep. Kirby was all about it then. Yeah, so that, folks, is this month in history. Hey guys, this is Rusty Surfer, and today I'm bringing you the weekly news roundup for everything comic-related. Starting off, we have sad news. Stan Lee, creator of many Marvel greats, has announced this week that his final New York Comic-Con appearance will be in October of 2016. This kind of American date is no surprise, though, as earlier this year, Stan Lee announced his last Canadian Comic-Con appearance, which is scheduled in September at Canada Fan Expo. His final European convention was in 2014's London Filming Comic Convention, He will continue to hold his own convention as of now with Stan Lee's Kamikaze coming later this year. Wow, it's hard to believe that he's like 93 now. I mean, it's weird that this year, I guess, is going to be the year we're not going to see Stan out and about, but I wonder how long that's going to last. In other news, Walking Dead's own Robert Kirkman and David Alpert are developing a brand new comic show for AMC called Heroes and Villains, The History of Comic Books. Heroes and Villains, the history of comic books, first season will consist of six one-hour episodes that will dive into the world of comics within story arcs, characters, culture, and much more. There is still not a date released as to when this series will premiere. Man, Kirkman's really got his hands in everything now, it seems. When I was looking this up, I was just like, another thing. I just like, I don't know how he has the time. Oh, well. Well, the results are in as Diamond Comics releases their April 2016 best-selling comic list. For the month of April, Marvel takes it as Black Panther number 1 by Ta-Nehisi Coates and Brian Stelfreeze are number 1 on the list. The comic sold over an estimated 250,000 copies and went into a second printing. Here is the list for the top 10 best-selling comics of April 2016. At number 1, Marvel's Black Panther number 1. Number 2, Star Wars. 
Poe Dameron, number one. Three, Dark Knight, three, The Master Race, number four. At number four sits Star Wars Special C-3PO, number one. You know that one that he, where he gets the, it's the red arm story. Number five, Batman, number 51, DC. And you know it's going to end here at 52. Number six, Gwenpool, number one. Everyone's got that Gwen fever going on right now. Number seven, Star Wars, number 18. Number eight, no surprise, Star Wars, Darth Vader, number 19. It seems as though Star Wars is dominating on here as well. Marvel just really has it going. Number nine, though, is Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad. April Fool special number one. And I know that one's kind of going up in value now. Number 10, Amazing Spider-Man, number 10 from Marvel. It looks like Marvel is sitting with most of the spots on the list as DC only holds three spots. Well, we're going to end this newscast with a memorial to Darwin Cook, who passed last Saturday, the 14th, from a battle with lung cancer at the age of 53. Darwin Cook was an award-winning comic book writer, artist, and animator known for his style and iconic covers. He started his career in comics in the year 2000 and worked his way through the comic world in a time emerging from the dark and gritty 90s. Over the years, he has won numerous Eisners, which is the comic equivalent to an Oscar. His work will never be forgotten as it will live on through the pages in our short and long boxes. That is going to wrap up today's In the News segment. If you have any tips on news, be sure to contact us through our website at www.4guysinacomic.com or through our social media outlets. Until next time. This is Red here, bringing you the comic releases for May 25th, 2016. We'll go ahead and start with Marvel. First up, we have Amazing Spider-Man 1.5 with one variant cover being offered at a cover price of $3.99. The final battle with a villain whose power trumps death. You know their foe is dangerous if they have Spider-Man and the Centurions on the ropes. We also get Captain America Steven Rogers number one with, believe it or not, folks, seven, yes, I said seven variant covers being offered for that at a cover price of $4.99. He's back. The original Sentinel of Liberty returns with a new shield, a new team, and a new mission. And he's not the only one who's back. Like the saying goes, cut off one limb and two more shall take his place. Hell Hydra. No, wait a minute. Is it one limb or is it? No, I think they got that one wrong. But anyways, next up we got... Captain Marvel number 5 with one variant cover being offered at a cover price of $3.99. The crew of Alpha Fight Space Station finds themselves face-to-face -face with their greatest threat to date as Carol comes to a great understanding of the legacy of Captain Marvel. She learns that maybe she doesn't have to punch her way through every problem. We'll have Carnage number 8 at a cover price of $3.99. Carnage's adventure across the high seas continues. He's leaving a trail of bodies in his wake. Who is Victoria Mantesi and is she friend or foe? Toxin, Manwolf, and company will find out soon, but they may not like it. We also get Civil War II, Issue 0, second printing variant cover being offered for $4.99. We also get Daredevil, Issue number 7, with one variant cover being offered at a cover price of $3.99. Marvel's most deadly assassin is back at the Big Apple and has just dropped a bombshell of a secret. Now, Matt Murdock is forced to consider the true cost of being the man without fear. And now, with Lecture raising hell in Hell's Kitchen, 
Daredevil may not have to give up his biggest secret. We'll also have Deadpool issue number 12 with one variant cover being offered at a cover price of $3.99. Deadpool 2099 returns. Plus, who is Zenpool 2099? I hope they fight, which they do. We'll also be getting Doctor Strange issue number 8 with one variant cover at a cover price of $3.99. The Last Days of Magic story continues. All of Doctor Strange magic has been destroyed and our world is on the edge of disaster. What on earth can Steven do? We'll also get Drax issue number 7 at a cover price of $3.99. Temporary Legal Guardian of the Galaxy. Drax's adventure and babysitting continues. To get worse, it's bad enough Drax has to take those tots to monster-infested poison-aired planets. Your blood will boil with the thrill of battle. Your heart will be worn, but unlikely friendships. We'll also be getting Extraordinary X-Men issue number 10 at a cover price of $3.99 with one variant cover being offered for it. Apocalypse Wars continues here in Omega World Part 3. Trapped a thousand years in the future, the X-Men are literally mutant kind's last hope. Not only has Apocalypse deemed the mutant race obsolete, but he's also claimed one of the X-Men in his newest horsemen. Can the X-Men survive a trip across the perilous landscapes of Omega World to restore mutant kind's future and rescue their teammates? Next on the list we have Haunted Mansion issue number 2, part 2 of 5, second premium variant cover being offered at $3.99. You'll also get Hyperion issue number 3 with one variant cover at a cover price of $3.99. Hyperion can punch his way out of anything, but how will he deal with a serial murderer who can turn into a squirming horde of killer worms? He and Dahl follow the trail, now must contend with Worm Boy, and the fact that his monsters somehow connect to the carnival Dahl is running away from. Plus, just who is Mikoth Hordekin, and what does he want with her? Time to pay a visit to the carnival to find out. Next up, we have Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy issue number 8 at a cover price of $2.99. We are Groot. Groot's picked up something in space. It's not contagious, but it's grown a bit attached to him. The team will go to great lengths to help free the friend, but is Rockets powerful enough to combat a Venom symbiont when the rest of the Guardians fall? We'll also have Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man Contest Champions issue number 3 at a cover price of $2.99. New allies, new enemies, Venom and Iron Spider return, but not quite how you expect. When Nihilus, Terex, and Atuma join the Grandmaster's team, the Collector makes a mighty addition to his roster. The battle is heating up. Don't miss a moment! We also have Mighty Thor issue number 7 at a cover price of $3.99. You won't like this Viking when he's angry. Next on the list we have Mockingbird issue number 3 at a cover price of $3.99 with one variant cover being offered. Bobby suits up his Mockingbird to save an adolescent girl driving bonkers by her new powers. Later, a rackish Englishman asks Bobby to dog sit. We also have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur issue number 7 at a cover price of $3.99 with two variant covers being offered. New story starts now! What's next for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? The all-new, all-different, most amazing Marvel team-up continues. Face-to-face -face with a Terrigan cloud that could turn her inhuman Luna Lafayette's world is about to turn upside down. Now, more than ever, she'll have to rely on smarts and keep a cool head. Meanwhile, a new boy in school has moved to town from far, far away. But why is he so interested in Lula? Plus, the most wanted... T-Rex in New York City is running out of places to lie low. Part 1 of Cosmic Cooties begins here. Next up we have Miss Marvel issue number 7 at a cover price of $3.99 with one variant cover being offered. 
The next generation of Civil War brews Miss Marvel teams up with Spider-Man and Nova in their biggest challenge yet, a tri-state academic competition. But math isn't the only problem as tremors of war begin to surface. The best, brightest, and most adorable heroes face off in the road to Marvel's biggest battle. Move over Iron Man. The kids got this. Next up, Nighthawk, issue number one at a cover price of $3.99 with four variant covers being offered. Straight from the pages of Squadron Supreme comes one of the most brutal superheroes of the Marvel Universe. Nighthawk is Chicago's dark protector, dispensing swift, decisive justice to those who truly deserve it. When the city's shadiest power brokers turn up murdered in grisly ways, the apparent work of an intuition serial killer. Nighthawk must ask himself, does the predator deserve to be caught? Who is the killer? What is he after? What does he want from Nighthawk? To answer these questions, Nighthawk must first look into the mirror. We'll also be getting Obi-Wan and Anakin issue number 5 at a price of $3.99. War breaks out with our Jedi caught in the middle. Master and Apprentice come to an important realization. Marvel's first Jedi-centric miniseries draws to a dramatic close. We'll also have Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, issue number 6 at a price of $3.99. In this very special issue, she will visit Coney Island with her cool and stylish pals, or get into an adventurous roller coaster, or see kick a whole mess of butts. Answer, all the above. We also have Red Wolf issue number six at a cover price of $3.99. Brought to us by Dalabar Telejik with his art. Be sure to check out our podcast with Dalabar. Really cool guy. You don't want to miss out that uh, podcast. We also have Spider-Man Deadpool number one, fifth printing variant cover. Spider-Man Deadpool number two, fourth printing variant cover. Spider-Man Deadpool number three, sec third printing variant cover, and Spider-Man Deadpool issue four with a second printing variant cover. And of course, Spider-Man Deadpool issue number five at a cover price of $3.99. Our writer's Joe Kelly, and again, check out our podcast with Joe Kelly. What the heck does this cover image mean? Gotta grab the mag to find out. True Believers plus the truth about the weirdness of Parker Industries begins to be revealed. We'll also have Star Wars issue number 19, at a cover price of $3.99, with two variant covers being offered for that. One of us, one of them, of course, being the action figure variant. Will they be able to save a prison full of Imperial foes, or will the mastermind of the, the takeover strike back against the Empire? Find out as Rebel Jail concludes. Next on the list, we have Star Brandon Nightmask, issue number six, at a cover price of $3.99, brought to us by writer Greg Wiseman. Again, check out our podcast with Greg Wiseman. Actually, he's been on the show a couple times. Check them all out. Time for Starbrand's final evolution. Does he survive or place out of existence once and for all? Starbrand versus Libra. Also, Nightmask versus Cypher. And for good measure, Starbrand versus Starbrand. All this plus a major step towards in a forward relationship with Imani Green. We also get Total Awesome Hulk issue number six at a cover price of $3.99. New story starts now. The Hulk finds himself caught between the Enchantress and the Mighty Thor. When the monster in the trunk breaks loose, the Ten Realms may never be the same. Don't miss a shocking revival of a side of Amadeus you've never seen. We also have Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, issue number 8, at a cover price of $3.99, with another new story. In this story, Squirrel Girl faces off against a giant monster and a gross old man, and goes on some dates. So, that's three challenges right there, whether you're a fan of seeing Squirrel Girl lady punch someone or a fan of seeing a squirrel lady struggle to make an online dating profile that isn't weird and embarrassing. This is an excellent comic for you to pursue.
Everyone is one of those two types of people. Search your heart and you'll find it to be true. Oh, P.S. The story is called I Kissed a Squirrel and I Liked It. All right. Next up, we have Uncanny and Humans, issue number nine, at a cover price of $3.99. How did Medusa and the Human Torch get together? Find out here. A catastrophe involving a collapsing building leaves Marvel's newest it couple trapped in the rubble. But just as you see Medusa and Johnny's meet cute, so does her sister Crystal. Did we mention that the torch was her first love? Uh-oh. We also have Weird World edition number six at a cover price of $3.99. Witness the Spectre Heart of Weird World, the site of Earthfall, Becca in the clutches of Morgan Le Fay. How did Morgan Le Fay build the kingdom of Torch? Learn her secret, Weird World Origins here. And last on the list from Marvel, we have X-Men Worst X-Men Ever, issue number four at a cover price of $3.99. Billy has never fit in with the X-Men, but Magneto wants him for a very special mission. The exciting X-Mini from, say, anything frontman, Max Bamus, continues. Alright, let's go over to the DC side of the house, shall we? And we'll start off with Adventures of Supergirl, issue number two, at a price of $2.99. National City's PD SWAT team raids the Catco building, and they've come for a win. Kara's convinced her friend is no digital terrorist. But the evidence seems ironclad. We also have Art Ops issue number 8 at a price of $3.99. Does man control art or does art control man? That's the crisis Reggie Wright faces in the aftermath of the power and destruction caused by his art arm. He already knows that his mother thinks, but what about his father? Enter Danny Dole as his own team of renegade artists and agents who aim to make the world their masterpiece in part 1 of Popism. We also get Batgirl issue number 52 at a price of $2.99 with the alternate cover being offered for that. With her friends starting new lives and Birdside changing all around her, it's time for Batgirl to decide what her next adventure will be, and it just might take her around the world. We'll also have Batman 66 meets the man from Uncle issue number 6 at a price of $2.99. The final issue, trapped at the bottom of the sea, surrounded by the deadly civilians of Gotham City, all led by the most diabolical crime mastermind of the ages. How can Batman, Robin, Batgirl, Napoleon, and Ilias possibly survive the depths trapped of them all? Impossible unless some of the villains happen to be double agents. We'll also be seeing Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue number two, fourth printing variant cover, and we'll have issue number three at a third printing variant, and issue number four at a second printing variant. We'll also be getting Cyborg issue number 11 at a price of $2.99 which is the epic conclusion of the cybernetic registration epic is here. The cyber forces true masterminds are finally revealed. How will cyborg ever gain the trust of our citizens, the government or the JLA again? We'll get DC Comics bombshells issue number 13 at a cover price of $3.99. It's back to the home front for an adventure with the Batgirls. Batwoman is still away fighting the good fight on the European front. So it's up to Kathy, Nell, Betty, Harper, and the rest of the gang to see that the streets of Gotham City are safe from both common criminals and international spies. We'll get DC Universe Rebirth issue number one at a cover price of $2.99 with two variant covers being offered for that. It all begins here, folks. Do not skip to the last page. Do not let a friend or message board ruin this comic for you. The future and past of the DC Universe starts here. Don't say we didn't warn you. They said it. Rebirth is about focusing in on the core of the characters in their respective universe says writer and DC Entertainment Chief Executive Geoff Johns. It brings back what has been lost, the legacy of the character, and the love and hope of the DC Universe. Next on the list we have Deathstroke issue number 18 at a cover price of $2.99. 
After a bit of a trail by a trusted comrade, Slade Wilson finds reluctant allies in his estranged children, Rose and Jericho. But as an all-out battle looms, he must also join forces with the one and only Raul Ghul, who may have his own hidden agenda. Could this uneasy family reunion spell doom for Deathstroke? We'll also be getting Flash number 52 at a cover price of $3.99 with a variant cover being offered for that. The Riddler seizes control of Gotham City. And the if the Flash moves, he'll put everyone he loves in mortal danger. To save the city and himself, he'll need help from the unlikeliest of allies. We'll also get Grayson issue number 20 at a price of $3.99. With one of the closest allies, now his greatest foe, Dick Grayson will have to make his greatest sacrifice to save those he loves. We'll also have Justice League issue number 50 at a cover price of $5.99 with one variant cover being offered. This is it. The massive 48-page conclusion of the critically acclaimed Dark Side War can hardly be contained between two covers. Don't miss the final fates of the world's greatest heroes and villains along with the world-changing revelations for Batman, Supergirl, and Wonder Woman. It doesn't get bigger than this at DC's monthly superhero event comic as it sets the stage for next year and beyond. We'll also have <coughs> Justice League 3001, issue number 12, and a cover price of $2.99. The end of the future may make be in sight. Eclipso and the Legion of Death have the Justice League cornered. Now, who will live and who will die? We'll also have Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, issue number 1, at a cover price of $3.99, with, can you believe it, folks, seven variant covers. Yes, seven. Those meddling kids, Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and their dog, Scooby-Doo, get more ghost debunking than they bargained for when faced with a fundamental change in their world. The apocalypse has happened. Old rules about logic no longer apply. The creatures of the night are among us, and the crew of the magical mystery machine have to fight to survive because of the apocalyptic badlands in the near future. The horrors are real. This new monthly series takes Scooby and the gang to a whole new level and features character designs by comic superstar Jim Lee. We get Secret Six, issue number 14, at a cover price of $2.99. It's a big turning point for the Secret Six, and all their friends are attending the party. It's Strix versus Shiva, the Six versus the League of Assassins, the return of the beloved DC hero, and all this, and scrambled eggs, too, in this funky, freaky issue. Next on the list, we get the Suicide Squad, most wanted Deadshot Katana, in issue number 5, at a price of $4.99. After Will Evans murders his own teammate, Floyd Luton escapes Belle Reeve and takes the fight straight to the imposter, but with Deathshot be able to survive? Meanwhile, Katana is proven right in Cobra's hidden plan, and as it's revealed, but no one could have anticipated what will happen when the villain's plot is overturned. In the Suicide Squad, are they prepared to deal with a rogue Oracle? Hmm, let's just see. All right, but next up we got... Suicider's King of Hella, issue number 3, at a price of $3.99. Followed by Superman, issue number 52, at a price of $3.99, with the alternate cover being offered for that. The Super League epic concludes in one explosive fight as a new master villain uses Superman's own solar flare power against everyone. Can even two Supermen, Supergirl, Wonder Woman, and Batman, be enough to stop this onslaught? And how will the outcome of this battle change Lois Lane's life forever? Well... We maybe find out in the next issue, Superman, Lois, and Clark, issue number 8, at a cover price of $3.99. Don't miss this climactic chapter of the epic story of the pre-New 52 Superman. Kale's world has fallen apart, and it's time to make its final move against Lois, and the cosmic threat that is 
Hyathis has come to Earth in search of power source that will give her dominion over her enemies. Now the future of an entire planet may rest with Superman's young son, John. We have Teen Titans issue number 20 at a price of $2.99. The Fearsome Five is back. These deadly Teen Titans villains are gunning for Raven, and if their lives depend on it, what dark secret drives their mission? It's one Red Robin that doesn't want to learn. A new game-changing epic begins, and all for one. And wrapping it up from DC Comics, we have We Are Robin issue number 12 at a price of $3.99. The Robins go after Smiley and the Jokers who have taken their brand of chaos beyond the walls of Middleton High. Can Duke, Rico, Izzy, Dax, and Dreed take him down before all of Gotham City falls? Alright, next and finally we will bring you Image Comics. We have Aloha Hawaiian Dick issue number 2 at a price of $3.99. A cast member dies as Bird and his friends find themselves attending a funeral, but they're not alone. The past is coming back to haunt all involved. And this funeral is paradise, and it won't be too long. We have Cry Havoc issue number five at a cover price of $3.99 with one bearing cover being offered. We have Dream Police issue number 10 for $2.99. We get East of West. All right, yes, East of West issue number 26 at a cover price of $3.50. Collapse, the very last chance for diplomacy fails on the eve of the world's end. Looking forward to reading that issue. We'll have Empty Zone issue number eight at a price of $3.50. We have Legacy of Luther Strode, issue number 6, at a price of $3.50. We have Monstrous, issue number 6, at a price of $3.99, which is the end of the story arc. Mike and her friends face betrayal and death, and only the monster inside her and her growing relationship with it can save them. Monsters will return in August. We'll also get Nowhere Men, issue number 8, second printing variant cover. We'll have Sex, issue number 28, for $2.99. To bang or not to bang? That is the question. We'll get Starve, issue number 9, for $3.99. Grace Papaya and Covert Lawyer Meeting. The end game starts now. We'll have Tokyo Ghost, issue number 7, at a price of $3.99, with the variant cover being offered for that. The Tokyo Ghost has come to liberate new Los Angeles from the stronghold of Fluke Industries, but the powerful don't go down without a fight. And this fight's about to get ugly. And finally, to wrap it up, be sure to put this in your poll box. We have Invincible issue number 127 at a price of $2.99. But you're saying, wait, that came out last week. Well, that's because this is a second printing variant cover. All right, so you uh, Invincible lovers, be sure to pick up that one. And that will wrap everything up for the releases for Wednesday, May 25th, 2016. Thanks for joining us. Check us out, 4guysinacomic.com, or follow us on social media, Twitter, at number 4, Guys in a Comic, Facebook, keyword 4, Guys in a Comic. Also check out popnerdtv.com and contv.com. Until next time.